Hi everybody, welcome. Welcome to worship. Welcome to Schweitzer today at the end of a cold and snowy week. We are glad you're here and it is good to be together. Wherever you're at today, we're glad to be with you. Today we begin a new series, a new series and we're excited about it called As It Is In Heaven as we explore the power of prayer, especially how Jesus teaches us to pray as we pray as a community, the, uh, again, the power of prayer. Pastor Jason's gonna lead us in the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. It's gonna be awesome, and so we look forward to that today. Also, if you're a guest with us today, first time guest, thanks. Thanks for being here, we have a gift for you, and we'll send it right out to you. Check in with us at sumc.co slash hello, and we'll send you out a Starbucks digital gift card right away. And if you've been with us for a while and enjoy this experience, invite somebody else and share it with a friend. Thanks for doing that. And now let's hear from Stephanie who's gonna tell us more about what's going on at Schweitzer. Hi, I'm Stephanie. We're in the season of Lent in preparation for Easter. And now is a great time for you to get connected by joining in one of our short-term studies. We have several meetings throughout the week, most of them virtual. One of these groups is our Prayer Surge group. They meet on Wednesdays at noon to pray for our community and for each other. If you'd like to, you can listen or join into this group every Wednesday at noon. Find out more about this and other groups at sumc.co slash groups. We're making plans for Easter Sunday, April 4th, as well as a special prayer walk experience on Maundy Thursday and Good Friday, all here on the Schweitzer campus. On Easter Sunday, we'll have traditional worship at 9 a.m., a modern service at 11 a.m., all out on the Schweitzer parking lot, as well as our online services. You can find out more, and we'll be keeping you updated at sumc.co Easter. Thanks, Stephanie, for keeping us connected. If you're worshiping with us live, we invite you to engage. There's a chat feature on your screen. Go ahead and say hello to your friends. Also, if you'd like to receive prayer, there's a prayer button. There are people available to pray with you. And now this morning, let's worship. And let's begin with worshiping Lion and the Lamb.
is awesome, both lion and lamb. Thanks for that song. And now as we come to this time of prayer together, let's pray in three movements today. Let's begin with a time of silence. Let's sit with God. Let's be still. The scripture says the Father knows our needs. And so in this time of silence, let's just let the Holy Spirit sit with us. Let's open ourselves to God. Let's pray. Let's continue praying through forgiveness. The scripture tells us that we need to forgive others. And so let's begin with uh, asking the Holy Spirit to help us identify others that we need to forgive. It's about us and our forgiving others. And then also the scripture tells us that we ask for forgiveness, but we begin with forgiving others. So come Holy Spirit, help us in this time of prayer, help us cleanse ourselves, and uh, our well-being through prayer, our spiritual, physical, and emotional health are all tied together. So, Lord, help us forgive others and forgive us. And now let's finish our time of praying together through thanks and praise. This has certainly been a challenging year in so many ways, but God is, is true and faithful and never leaves us. So let's, let's think about and give thanks to God for all God's goodness and all our blessings and all that God continues to provide and how God cares for us. So now let's, uh, let's pause and give thanks and praise to God.
Holy God and kind, kind Father, thank you that we can be still and know that you are God and that you are always faithful and never leave us. God, thank you for your forgiveness and your help through the power of the Holy Spirit, our advocate, our encourager, the spirit that persuades and convinces us. God, thank you for who you are. We praise you. We, uh, again, we are so grateful in this season. This has been a, a really tough year in so many ways, but God, you are so good and we are so grateful. It's in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thanks be to God for God's generosity. And now we come to our time of offering. We give back to God out of all that we receive, his provision, his care, your gifts, your tithes and offerings have really mattered this week, especially this snow and cold, cold week as our ministry support staff, our facility staff have kept our buildings open, our parking lots clear. For example, the preschool has stayed open and blessed families and kids. So we really appreciate your gifts, your tithes, your offerings. And we can continue our generosity by giving, going to the link sumc.co slash give. And now let's continue to worship. And we 
Hello friends, welcome to worship. I'm Pastor Jason, it's a joy to be with you. I have had a great week. I don't know how the week has been for you, but I am a person that loves snow and I appreciate the cold. And this past week in Southwest Missouri has been like um, just a gift from the Lord. So it's been a great week and it's been, a, been with great anticipation that we come to this time of worship today. Today we're entering into a new season of Lent and we've got a new sermon series called As It Is in Heaven. And in this sermon series, we're going to be looking at the Lord's Prayer. Now prayer, you and I know, is something that is, is valuable. We're encouraged to be people of prayer. Roy Lawrence, who was a writer of, of the late 1900s, said prayer is a lifeline, a lifeline to God. And it's how God gets his life into us and into the world. And we are encouraged in all places of our spiritual life to be people of prayer. However, for most of us, while we experience this exhortation, prayer seems something that's a little distant, off in the distance. And we wonder how is it that we can really enter into a life of prayer? Well, Jesus was somebody who prayed often. The disciples, in what Luke tells us, observed Jesus praying so much that they came to him and they asked him to teach them how to pray. And so Luke is one of those places where we hear a version of the Lord's Prayer where Jesus describes what it's like to pray to the, to the Lord. The other place where we hear the Lord's Prayer, and we say it often, is in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Actually, it's found in Matthew 6, but it's in the midst of Jesus' sermon we call the Sermon on the Mount, where he is talking about what God is like and how there is an invitation to us in all kinds of different stations of life to have a life that is connected to God. He talks uh, deeply about what God values, and, and in his conversation about what God is like, he is revealing who God is and how we can go about knowing God. And so if you have your Bibles with you, I'd like to invite you to read along with me Matthew 6, starting at verse 5 and going down through verse 15. Matthew 6, 5 through 15. We hear these words. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogue where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything in private will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on as people from other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask Him. Pray instead like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Then Jesus says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. The word of God for the people of God and the people of the world. There are a couple of things I'd like to draw to our attention before we jump, in, jump into the theme of the day, which is our Father in heaven. A couple of things we ought to note about the context in which Jesus gives these words, he delivers these words. The first place is around place. The first thing we ought to notice is around place. Jesus gives this sermon 
at the seashore at the north end of the Sea of Galilee. Now, at the seashore at the north end of the Sea of Galilee, there is a convergence of three or four significant trade routes. These trade routes are roads that that crisscross on that north side of the Sea of Galilee, and they go to all four corners of the world. This is a place where people were traveling all, all of the time, and it took them to every place that you could imagine or somebody in the Middle East could imagine somebody going. So when Jesus teaches about prayer, he picks a place where all of the people from all the corners of the world could be touched. The second thing I'd like to, to lift up for us is that Jesus gives this teaching in the out, out of doors. This, that is to say that this teaching is not connected to a place of worship. It's not connected to the temple in Jerusalem that's 80 to 100 miles south from that place. It's not connected to a, a sacred space where the Samaritans might worship, which is north in the hills, 20 or 30 miles. Jesus brought the teaching about prayer and the practice of prayer to a place where all kinds of people were connecting, coming and going from. Jesus brought his teaching about prayer to the common everyday places, places where you or I might live. Prayer, Jesus is showing us, isn't, isn't connected or destined or only confined to those places we might call sacred spaces, but it's meant to be taken up in the everyday spaces of life where you and I live. One other comment about prayer is that Jesus begins this introduction to prayer by describing some ways in which people get prayer um, wrong, if you will. There are people who, who have an idea about what prayer looks like in a sacred space, but it's a prayer that misses the point. He talks about people who have an insincerity in prayer. There are people who are wanting to pray so that other people might think favorable towards them. Or he describes how people long to have eloquent and elaborate prayers where the words are just right. But they're seeking, Jesus says, in both places, they're seeking to be thought more highly of by others, and they aren't seeking the face of the Father. In my own prayer life, if there's been any, any hesitancy in prayer, it has been around the idea that I've been concerned about having the right kinds of words. Now, I've had the, the joy of listening to some saints and sinners pray some big, bold audacious prayers, and they've done it seemingly with significant spiritual power. Certainly there are those, and, and I myself certainly have probably, in the course of my life, prayed some prayers where I was trying to impress others instead of connecting to Jesus. But many times I've been around people that have prayed prayers because they've lived intimately with God. They've walked with God. They were sincere in their prayers as their day is long. And it and those prayers were profoundly authentic. My own hesitancy in entering into a place of prayer is wondering if I could match up with some of the prayers that I've heard from other people. But Jesus, in noting how some people miss the point of prayer, is really revealing that God is inviting all of us to be people who walk with him. God, right from the outset, wants us to bring our authentic selves and our authentic language to the Lord. C.S. Lewis is attributed as saying this, that the prayer that really precedes all prayer is this, may it be the real I who speaks and may it be the real thou 
that I speak to. That is that Jesus is saying first and foremost, when we enter into a time of prayer, is that we need to come with the language that we use each and every day. We don't need to wash it up. We don't need to make it clean. We need to bring our real selves to the Lord. And so with those, with those realities that Jesus puts prayer in a place where everybody converges and everybody has a place, Jesus begins to teach us about what prayer looks like. And he says these first few words, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Let's walk through some of these, these words that Jesus gives to us. Jesus calls God Father. Throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus will refer to God over and over and over again as Father. Depending upon your translation, mine, which is the New Living Translation, Jesus calls God Father 17 different times in the Sermon on the Mount. The Old Testament frequently referred to God as somebody who was a savior. It reflected that God was a healer, that God was powerful. But was God personal and intimate? The Old Testament tended not to portray God in, in language that reflected the idea that God was intimate. Jesus brings us a new picture of God as a father, and not just any kind of father, but a really good father. Later in Matthew 7, Jesus will be talking to, uh, to the crowd again about prayer, and he says, sometimes those people who pray think that they've got to repeat over and over and over again their request to the Lord in the same kind of repetitious words. But he said, the Lord is so good. He's like a father that hears the request of a child. And when a good father hears a child ask for bread, they don't give him a stone. He says, God is like that. When you bring your request to the Lord, he loves to respond with his favor. So the Lord is good and he gives good gifts. I was thinking about that reality this past week as my girls came and they said, Dad, let's go out and play in the snow. Uh, it is snowing and my sons, when they were younger, we lived in a place where we had lots of snow and, and we played oftentimes in the snow. And my daughters have been like, we've lived in Missouri for a long time. We've missed the snow. Let's go engage in the snow. Well, what does a good father do? You hear that request and you get up and you move and you do things that you play in the snow with your daughters. The picture that Jesus is bringing to us is that the Lord is a good good father and he longs to engage with us at a very intimate level how do you see god how do you think about god how do you relate to god in your own heart your own mind your own imagination is god a distant cosmic creator who's uninterested in the everyday events that we undergo is god a universal judge Is God a good father? Is God somebody who, when you hear the word father, is somebody from the past that you'd rather forget? J.I. Packer, in his book, Knowing God, which was a significant theological book in the, in the last half of the 20th century, says, you know, when a number of people try to interact with God at that intimate, personal level by calling God father, they've, they've undergone trauma, and disappointment in their own relationship with their own dads. And so it's hard to think about God as a father. But Packer, Jad Packer asserted that even in the emptiness or the void 
or the feeling that somebody else got it wrong, there is within us that understanding of what a good father is like and our desire for God to be good, our desire for God as a good father is present to each and every one of us. And so the picture that Jesus brings to us is this. God is a good father and we can address him as such. We can address him with that sense of boldness and intimacy. Part of what Jesus wants us to see about prayer is that we can pray to the Lord just as we speak with our parents. We can speak that way, that intimately with God. So Jesus says, Father. But right before that, he has another word where he says, Our Father. In saying, Our Father, Jesus is is bringing to us this reality too about what God is like. That God is a God who belongs to all kinds of people. He belongs to everyone, and he doesn't really belong to us. God is not possessible. No one has a corner on God. We all have parents, don't we? And when we're among friends, we may speak of our parents, like my mom or my dad, but you would never speak about your parents among your siblings with a possessiveness. We are people who emanate from our parents, but we don't possess them. When Jesus introduces us to how we ought to pray by saying, Our Father, John Wesley, reflecting on this, said, We join a community of people who are praying. And it's not just a community of people that are like us or that live in a time and space where we do or speak with the same language that we do. Wesley said, when Jesus introduces us to praying our Father, Jesus is introducing us to praying and speaking to God, even with the voice of the angels around us. Calling out to God our Father is saying to us that the Lord is the Lord of heaven and earth. All the peoples of the world, the nations, tribes, and tongues belong to him. In fact, Jesus is saying, because he's saying this, remember, in the midst of people who are going to the four corners of the world, Jesus is saying that God is Father to those who know him and to those who don't know him as such. Remember Jesus, when he gives this sermon, he's not speaking to people that have said this prayer over and over and over again. He's not speaking in front of baptized Christians, but he's speaking to masses of people. He's speaking to those who are religiously observant and to those who are inquirers and to those who would say they have no religious affiliation at all. Jesus describes a reality that we may know or not, that all of us have an eternal, good, and kind Father. We may not know it, we may not feel it, we may be running from Him, or we may be looking for Him. Wherever we're at, it doesn't change the reality that He, that God, is real beyond measure, and we can speak with Him, and we can bring our real selves to Him. So Jesus introduces us to prayer by saying, Our Father. And then he says, Who art in heaven? What does this mean? Who art in heaven? Well, if God is beyond our sense of possessing, who art in heaven is indicating to us that he's beyond our location. Or to those who may be thinking that prayer belongs in certain locations, that God can be available to us outside of Jerusalem or outside of a church building, God is available in all kinds of places. In Jesus' final words to his disciples, 
He'll say this, I will be with you always to the very end of the ages. There is no place where God is not available to us. There is no place where prayer, when it's offered up from a real authentic self, can't be heard. The prayer that we can make can be made from the valleys that are green, or it can be made from dark valleys where there are many shadows. But in all places, God can hear our prayers. And then the last line goes something like this. May your name be kept holy. Or when we say it in the kind of the rote repetitious way, we say, hallowed be your name. Now this is, uh, in some ways, some people would read this as being the inverse of breaking one of the Ten Commandments. That is, in the Ten Commandments, we are urged not to misuse the Lord's name. And so to hollow God's name is to say, uh, we're giving glory to the Lord and to, the, to his name and to all of creation. But Cyprian, one of the ancient Christian writers and, and pastors of the church said, we, you and I, we don't have the capacity to make God's name more holy than it is by this prayer. He is holy. And we're simply recognizing that fact. We pray in fact, to be hallowed by his name so that his name and his holy life would be made available in our lives. And so Jesus, with tremendous love for all of the world, goes to the north of the Sea of Galilee. And he says to all of those who are crisscrossing on all kinds of different paths, and he says to us who will listen today, that we are invited into a life where we converse with God in an intimate fashion. And this con conversation with God isn't something that we have to play at. That is a, a game where we play so that we have a sense of promotion among others, or it's not simply a religious exercise. But we are invited to bring our very selves into a place of intimacy with the Father. Friends, if you've lost intimacy with God, if God is distant, if God is obscure, you and I are invited to pick up this prayer, to run with these words and to run this sacred path and to see and hear from Jesus an invitation that we're all meant to be children of God and that faith isn't just for some, but all of us can have a walk in faith. If you're looking have a greater depth of your own prayer life. I'd invite you by saying, take a look at this prayer again. Listen closely to how Jesus describes the Father and ponder the ramifications of all that Jesus is saying here and give glory to the Lord. If you've been walking in this prayer, if you've been saying it over and over and over again, and if you've grown tired in a way, if it's just become words, I'd invite you to pick up this prayer again and wonder anew. Don't rush through it, but wonder anew at what is being said here. St. John Chrysostom, who was called the Golden Mouth, said this. He said, when we come to a time of prayer, we are entering a palace, not an earthly one, but a heavenly one, a place where all turmoil is set aside and silence reigns. And we get to join with the songs of the angels. And we get to hear the voice of God. So if you've been having a static prayer life, walk again in these words and enter into the palace 
and sit down before the Lord, the giver of life, and behold the beauty of God. Well, this morning, we've heard Jesus say it. We've taken a look and considered some of the words that he's given to us. Now I'd invite you to join with me in saying the Lord's Prayer in the common way that we generally recite it. Let us together join our voices. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Hunger and thirst for you Hunger and thirst 
one devotion is you and you only all that i want is all that you are and all that i'm needing all that i'm seeking all that i want is all that you Friends, thanks for joining us in worship today. Also, I want to give a big shout out to those who helped produce this worship experience. To Jim, to KJ, to Stephanie, to Alec and Taylor, people behind the scenes, and to all those who also contributed their voices. A big thanks to them. Two things I want to leave you with about prayer. One, Jesus said, bring your authentic selves. God wants to hear from you because he's our good father. He wants to hear from you just like you're a kid. So bring your authentic self and your authentic voice. And you can bring that authentic voice and self in any place, in any time. The father longs to hear us. So enter into a place of praying with your true self. And if you've been blessed today, if this has helped you, share this sermon, this experience, this worship experience with friends around you. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next week. God bless you.